0: Hey everyone, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome back to another episode of Scale Up. It is just me and the microphone today, and of course, all of you guys out there in the world listening to this rambling Australian talk about business, mindset growth, strategic stuff, all that sort of thing. So the astute of you who have listened to Scale Up for a long period of time, and in fact, you might have been listening to Scale Up your business before that, have probably noticed that I have changed the structure of the episodes a little bit recently. So I'm still gonna be doing solo episodes. I am gonna be doing uh, high level interviews with obviously a slant on business mindset, personal development. And I'm also gonna have a new show coming out very soon with a co-conspirator, so to speak, which is gonna be talking more about topical things that are happening around the world and specifically the world of business so i will let you know more about that coming very very soon but today i want to breach a broach (laughs) a topic that comes up a lot and really it's about what are the what are the key roles that a business needs now what i'm not going to do today is go through a whole organizational design and show you every layer of leadership, management, and execution that you need. If you want that, we can do that on a future episode, but it's very granular if I get into that. I just want to talk about some high-level stuff and some things that I have found important in my career as I've been on my own entrepreneurial journey, but also what I think are important roles for you to consider in your business as you scale. Now, we defined scale up many, many episodes back talking about the, the, the mix, if you like, or the, the marriage between people and process. So you can't scale a business unless you can effectively build a team and you can have that team operating with process precision, right? You know, you running a business with you know, yourself or maybe a business partner in a shed is very, very different to, uh, to going out there and building something that's generating, you know, high seven, eight figures or more. Now, what I want to get across though is that as you start to think about this scale-up journey, there are three key roles that I think you need to be considering. And I'm still surprised to this day the businesses that I get to work with, how many of them don't have either one or all of these roles in place. So I just want to unpack that today to help you on your journey. Now, I read a book. I'm going to kick off. I read a book. So for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, I'm going to hold the cover up. Here it is here. Okay. And for everyone listening, I'll just read it. It's a book called Who Says Elephants Can't Dance by a guy called Lou Gershner. Now, Lou was effectively the CEO of IBM, one of the biggest companies in the world, who spearheaded its historic turnaround a number of years back. Now, It's a great book because it talks about how do you turn around a behemoth, like literally a business with thousands, if not tens of thousands of employees. But what he focuses on in there really struck me when I first read the book uh, a number of years back. And he talks about this idea that, you know, when you go to a company like IBM, which is probably like going to an Apple or a a Tesla or an Amazon these days, you're not going to have a quality of talent problem right? You you know, the smartest people in the world are getting employed by these, these companies. There's an attraction to these companies. And IBM was one of those, one of those organizations back in the day. What he said in the book is that you need to make sure that you've got the culture working and the whole culture eats strategy for breakfast was sort of coined around the same time. In fact, it might've been in the book. I can't remember exactly, but this idea that if you've got the best people in the world, if they're not working to a certain cadence and culture, then all of that capability, that energy is lost. It's, it's not focused, it's dispersed, and that's not going to get you to what you want to achieve. So so even though we're talking about a big company like IBM here, the same principle can apply to a business that's going into scale-up and starting to, to build a bigger team. Certainly an amount of people in the organization that can't be managed you know, when you're in that startup mode, that sort of one-to-one relationship, you've got to start to build teams, hierarchies, you've got to have, you know, operating processes and procedures. So to kick off this episode, as I said, there's three roles that I think every business needs to have in them as they scale. The first one is a really strong human resources leader, okay? HR leader, a people or talent specialist, okay? Okay. I don't like the idea of really human resource. It makes it sort of too clinical, particularly when you're trying to build a a values-driven culture, but we'll go with it because HR is the term that is used um, collectively for what I'm talking about here. But if you think about it, even if you're the CEO or you're the founder, you can't own the whole process of building out an amazing team, an amazing capability. You can absolutely set the tone of what you want it to be and you should absolutely be defining the culture in terms of values and behaviors but you have to have a high level human resource specialist on your team now they can be employed as a chief hr director or um they can be a you know an interim if you like you know they could be a specialist that you bring in just to help you grow but but if you're going to build something substantial and something that can change the game this is someone who has to sit on your top table. In my opinion, this is not a role that just manages payroll. It's not a role that just manages problems when they come in the business. It's not someone who just creates role profiles and job descriptions and puts them in a digital filing cabinet somewhere, right? That's, that's task and, and sort of operational HR, right? That's kind of just keeping the lights on stuff. I'm talking about strategic HR, right? I'm talking about identifying the gaps in capability, identifying, the mix of person that you need to have around you to balance the things that you're great at and the things that you're not great at. And as you start to to grow value in a company, um, one of the big levers is this idea of an intangible asset being people, right? You know, being human capital. So if you want to effectively sell your company at some point in the future, some, uh, person like me from a private equity firm or a strategic buyer is gonna come in one day and evaluate who you've got in there from leadership down. So any investment that you make in someone who's a specialist at identifying and managing and growing and developing talent is gonna be something that pays, pays back massively, not just as you grow the business, but as you look to exit that business and create a liquidity event in the future, okay? Not many people expect me to say that. You might have expected me to say you need a great sales person or a chief revenue officer or marketing, right? They're important, but remember, the ability to find those people comes from having someone who is a specialist at finding great people, and that's a HR person. So, so think about whatever you call them, HR director, HR strategist, whatever you want to call them. You want to have someone who um, can ride with you as you build your company and you start to increase the headcount. Who has that capability okay so that's role number one super important so many people don't have it even when they're in eight figures okay so just take that on board second role cfo chief finance officer you have to have an awesome strategic finance person in your team now that's not simply an accountant okay? They might have a, an accounting degree or qualification, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about financial planning and analysis. Someone who can do business modeling, scenario planning, someone who gets you super tight on your, your P&L and your balance sheet, someone who can help you leverage capital to drive growth, someone that can help you fundraise, someone that can sit at the table with you and present the most stunning set of numbers when again, you want to exit that business in the future, okay? Now, I don't believe that all the value in a business is financial. In fact, I've talked about this before. It's about, you know, when you look at a valuation canvas these days, about 40% of the value is absolutely attributed to the numbers. But there are other things. You know, we talked about human capital a second ago, there's structural capital, there's customer capital, there's brand and culture. All of those things dictate the overall value that someone's going to look for when they buy your company because they wanna transfer that value to them or another entity. But the biggest piece is still the numbers. You've gotta have growth, you've gotta have uh, value in terms of margin and profit, right? And you have to have someone who can, or has the ability to forecast that forward in a realistic way so that you have clarity around the trajectory of what you're trying to build. So, you know, I've talked before about resources and the idea of being resourcefulness and you have to be able to access capital in different ways, be that equity or debt to be able to drive growth, okay? All of that in terms of the, the, the metrics, right, that are, or the optics as we sometimes call it in private equity, which are going to inform the strategic decisions, a lot of them are going to come from that finance specialist capability, Okay. So I'll, say, I'll make the same point that I made a second ago about HR. I've been into businesses that are doing well into eight figures. So that's a great business. I mean, that's, 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 you know to get a business to eight figures is rare. To get a business to seven figures is rare. I, read, I remember reading somewhere recently that something like only 4% of businesses in North America actually get past the seven-figure mark. Now, I'm not sure if that's accurate, but I do know a lot of startups fail. So to get to eight figures, you're doing well. But I've seen businesses that can't be sold even though they're they're generating large amounts of revenue and profit because there's no real understanding of the numbers and grasping actually where where the the business is going to be going from a financial standpoint. So before you ever sell your business and certainly a few years before you're ready to sell your business, make sure that you have a a CFO in place or a fractional CFO, someone that can come in here and just make sense of all your numbers. In fact, that one role is the one role that when I go and work with a company and we're trying to build up to an exit, we're doing an exit strategy, that's the one role that I have to put in to the companies that I work with and I partner with more than anything else, okay? And the good thing about that is I have a network of fantastic interim CFOs now that can be plugged into businesses and they can literally transform the trajectory, okay? So there's two roles. I've talked about a HR leader. I've talked about a finance leader. And I'll, and I'll finish the point with the, the book I mentioned before by Lou Gershner. They're the two roles that he says he didn't really, you know, they, they were the roles that he changed out actually in IBM. Because as he said, he had a great pool of talent in the organization, some of the best talent that was available on the market, but he didn't have the strength at the time in HR and finance. So he had to bring in two, two new specialists in those areas, and he says it's those two changes plus galvanizing all the talent in the business that he had which made the fundamental difference to him being able to transform that company and to this day is one of the biggest historic turnarounds if you like of a company certainly of that size ever okay so that's it you've got those two roles the last one is the operating partner and you might go I haven't heard of that I've heard of a CFO I've heard of a HR director I haven't what's an operating partner well An operating partner is what I used to be when I was working for private equity firms and portfolio companies within private equity firms. And it's something that has lived, I think, within venture capital and private equity for some time, but it's now starting to become more of a thing for privately held companies that have yet to be acquired, if you like, by some of those those bigger financial firms. And what I say to people is this, if you've got a business that's doing seven or eight figures, maybe the first person that you bring in to create a board, right? They could be like a non-exec director or a chair chairperson for your business. They should have an operating partner experience or, or mindset or capability to help you. So I'm gonna unpack what this is. And, and as I do this, this will make perfect sense, right? So I'll read out a bit of a definition here. So an operating partner is a title used by venture capital and private equity firms to describe a role dedicated to working with privately held companies to increase value. Okay. The role was created by large capitalization, private equity firms when the importance of driving corporate change to add value increased as sales became more sophisticated and financial engineering, less central to private equity investments in the two thousands. Okay. Firms with operating partners argue that value creation potential is better achieved by a full dedicated partner than relying solely upon external consultants. So you're not bringing in lots of different people. You have one person dedicated to really leading the value creation in the business. The operating partner role has evolved into a full-time position quite often or interim, drawing on a combination of different criteria to drive value. Okay. So that's quite, that gives you a broad range of what I'm talking about here, but what are operating partners? Well, they're usually proven business leaders. They are either generalists, they've worked across all different ranges of business, or they're specialists. They have a successful track record of creating value in companies. They are capable of doing a number of different things, be that developing strategies, building leadership teams. Um, they are often former CEOs, COOs, CFOs, chief revenue officers, uh, management consultants. They've probably got some background in, in private equity or finance, but they have been at the coalface, okay? And they typically focus on things like due diligence, if you're kind of planning, planning a capital event, strategic planning, commercial growth, operational efficiency, financial controls. And as I said, it's almost like they are a combination of someone who's mentor and consultant, um, and they can often be sparring partners for the leadership and management team. Okay. The final thing I'll say, which, which I do personally is they also will have a good established network. And I, if you bring in an operating partner to work with you, to drive the growth of your business, you should absolutely be expecting them to leverage their, their networks as well. Connections, those sort of things to help you drive growth. They can be commercial connections, finance connections, other people that they've worked with beforehand that can come in and help you create value. Okay. Now, I appreciate you've probably never heard this before, but one of the things that private equity gets right is that they have this structure that works above the business. So if you're the CEO or the founder, you may work you may work on the business. You might have operational teams inside which are working in the business, but who have you got working above the business? And in private equity, an operating partner will be the bridge between the business itself, the leadership, you know, that that kind of person who's there to coach to mentor to challenge because they've been there and done it and the private equity firm partners who are trying to manage that investment on behalf of institutional investors and other shareholders okay so why is this important well let me just bring the three roles together for a second if you've got someone who's amazing at hr and people and talent they're going to help you build a team and build a bench If you have someone who's fantastic with the numbers, they're gonna make sure that you have amazing access to capital to grow, to to make sure that you're not gonna run out of cash, to to give you a forward plan strategically so you can plan effectively and, and dominate markets in strategic ways, not just tactical ways, okay? If you have an operating partner who has a track record of being in businesses like yours, driving growth successfully in businesses like yours, in fact, has achieved some things maybe that your business has yet to achieve, or certainly anyone that you have in the leadership team has, has yet to achieve, then just think about how your ability to be able to grow is going to expand by having that, that type of person in. Now, I mentioned before that the biggest request that I get is for CFOs. second biggest request now is for operating partners. You know, Nick, can you, can you know any operating partners that I can have in my business now that I'm trying to break through eight figures? Do you have any operating partners who know how to navigate this end game that I'm trying to get to, which is to have some form of liquidity event in the future? So I, I present this now because as I said, I think it's a game changer and something that is massively needed for businesses that are getting stuck in scale up. And you know, have a think about what you're trying to create and how big your ambition is, because if you can think about a way of bringing these three roles into your leadership, okay, above, on, and in the business, then you are going to be standing out and stepping up versus your competitors and other businesses in the market. So I'll stop there. Hopefully that was useful. Definitely look into this and definitely start to think about your plan where. Coming towards the end of 2022, you should be planning for 2023. Maybe you want to bring one or all three of those roles into your business next year. And this is the year that you're absolutely going to dominate and grow faster than you ever have before. As I always say, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.